Hello, We Love Tech podcast listeners. Welcome back. Um, we did take a week off just so we could have a little bit more tech news accumulate and so we have more things to talk about and have a meteor episode for you. Um, so this week, we're going to definitely talk about the MacBook Pro 13 and uh, as well update you guys on some Pixel 4a leaks that have come out. And um, yeah, things are going to get pretty, uh, we're going to get into the weeds, with, but uh, that's what this podcast's for. Um, so the MacBook Pro 13, Amir, would, um, let's, uh, let's tell people about it. Yeah, um, so Apple announced, obviously, the new um, a MacBook Pro 2020. Um, it, uh, it's surprising to see all these um, product updates during the uh, pandemic, but it's still nice because it gives us something to look at, something to uh, think about, even though we may not necessarily get hands-on with them. Yeah, um, yeah, what did you think about it? Um, I mean, in terms of like actual, I had to really dig and look around to like actually see what is like, what did they actually upgrade in this thing? Because there, there isn't that much um, on paper. I, but, but I think it's still significant in the long run. I think the biggest thing, obviously, um, is now they finally it's the last laptop to get the new keyboard upgrade. So now no, uh, no laptop. The, the butterfly keyboard is officially dead. Um, we've bashed it enough. We've already talked about why it's bad, but but now Apple has gone to the Magic Keyboard, which is a superior keyboard uh, in every way. We don't know about long-term longevity yet, but uh, just the way that you can like um, remove a single keycap to repair it is already a huge improvement over the butterfly keyboard alone. Um, so we know that's great. Um, in terms of like, uh the hardware upgrades a lot of the upgrades are internal other than the magic keyboard um if you ignore the keyboard there really isn't much different um besides from the old version to the new version which is kind of disappointing uh the main thing they upgraded is um for the base price now you get double the storage so used to if you paid 12.99 us before you got 128 gigs now you start with 256 gigs um, and I, I do think like 256 gigs should be the minimum in a pro level laptop. It's, um, it's yeah. I'd yeah. even argue like 512 should be the minimum in um, a MacBook Pro, but I think it was the right step to go towards the 256. Um, but yeah, like the hardware, like you said, besides the keyboard, it was a bit underwhelming. Nothing really looks any different from what I can tell. Um, It'd be hard pressed to. Do you know if there's any spec difference in terms of the size of them or the thickness because of the keyboard change? Like, can you tell them apart if you put them next to each other? It is slightly thicker um, from from the videos and stuff. It's very very imperceptible. I don't think anybody, unless you held them side by side, you're not going to notice. And I would give thickness a little bit of thickness to get a magic keyboard any day. So I think with the trade offs worth it. Yeah. Yeah, so, and I agree with you, 256, even on my iPad Pro, like, 128 gigs for, for an iPad is a lot, but even I'm getting, like, a little bit of, of space anxiety, because, like, I'm, I just don't know if, um, my phone has 256, and, and I I have to still delete stuff occasionally, just because I'm worried about hitting the, the cap, so for a Pro laptop, we're doing... Man, videos. what do you store on your phone that you need 256 gigs? <laughs> Well, I mean, there's there's so many WhatsApp videos being sent, you know, family groups and stuff. It all adds oh, yeah. up. Yeah, but uh, it's it's 
for a pro, especially like you said, like if you're do that, these are meant for video editors. Like if you store anything like 4K or that, that takes a huge chunk already. So it's, yeah, that's true. And I'm glad because um, Apple seems to be moving in away in general from like I remember not even just a couple of years ago where like they would do this stupid thing where it was like you get 64 gig base and then like you have to pay like 256 so you're forced to choose between the low end or the high end so and 64 like for that was in phones so like that was 64 is clearly not enough nowadays so i'm glad they're finally they're changing everything where the even the base amount is a reasonable amount of storage yeah yeah i totally agree um like I said, I for in a laptop, I'd probably go for higher than 256 personally. Um, but I think 256 will be enough because a lot of people do have their external storage um, option as well. Uh, but yeah, personally, I would want even higher than 256. But I think it was a good move to make that the base now. Yeah, for sure. Um, but in terms of other than that, in the base model, you're not going to find anything different. The screen's the same. The ports are the same. Um, you still don't get a touch bar. Uh, it's function keys, although a lot of people might say that's actually fine. Um, but you only still get two Thunder, uh, two USB-C ports. Um, if you really want the true like horsepower Intel, like the, the processor upgrades, you have to really go up to the $1799 or the $2400 Canadian model. And that's when you start getting the new 10th gen core Intel Core i5 processor, um, faster 16 gig LP DDR4 R4X RAM, um, and you gain two extra USB-C ports and a touch bar, but that was always something that you only got in the higher end. Um, I know there's a lot of controversy because yes. a lot of people are like, when you refresh and upgrade, like, why do you keep the base models, the old processor, the 8th gen Intels, and then not stick with the, like, why not give 10th gen to all of them, right? Um, but Dave2D actually had a really good video where he talked about it because uh, if you actually look on the actual performance between the Intel, the 8th gen and the 10th gen, the 8th gen is still a really, really good processor. It still does pretty good in terms of benchmarking and, and benchmark scores. The only really difference is like if you really push on the graphic sides because you have Intel's uh, Iris graphics on the 10th gen, um, which is a lot better than the older generations, that's when you'll notice a difference. But if you buy a chip from um, 10th gen Intel, it's a lot more expensive. So Apple, it costs a lot more for Apple to buy a 10th gen chip from them compared to an 8th gen, and they're going to have to pass that cost down to the customer. So um and it, a lot of people might, people who are really into specs will look at this and say, what the WTF? But I think it, like Dave TD explained it so eloquently, it makes a lot of sense. And if you check out his video on uh, the MacBook Pro theme, um, you can get more information there. I won't, I'm not going to plagiarize him. Um, but yeah, so basically, if you really want the performance, um, that then you have to go for the higher model. Like, but, but that said, the base model seems to be more than good enough. Um, a lot of people might be thinking that, hey, uh, you have the 10th gen, like, why do you have to pay so much for a 10th gen Intel Core i5 processor? You can just get a MacBook Air uh, and you'll still get a 10th gen Intel Core i5. 
which is true. Unfortunately, the the problem. Well, two things: the the clock speed on the MacBook Air is lower, is clocked lower than the 10 Gen in the MacBook Pro, and um, as well, there is that heatsink issue which we mentioned in our previous podcast yes. in MacBook Air. And so what that means is that the MacBook Pro 13 can have sustained performance. Like it can, because there's a heat pipe in the MacBook Pro 13, it's able to run at these higher clock speeds or run faster essentially for a longer period of time. If you do them, to try to do the same task on a MacBook Air, the, um, it, it won't be before long before that you notice that the temperature of the, the uh, MacBook hits 100 degrees Celsius, and then it has to throttle down. So you notice a sudden drop down in speed, you'll get less performance. So long story short, if you really want to do serious uh, photo editing and video editing, definitely go for the Mac. You have to go with the MacBook Pro and the higher end model if you're really doing graphics. What, what will be like the practical difference for people who are doing photo and video editing between uh, the eighth gen and the tenth gen MacBook Pro. Like, is it a difference in processing speed? Like, what's the actual? Is it sustained performance? What What do you think would be the difference in someone who is doing intensive things? Um, the biggest thing is like in terms of export times. Like, if you're editing in a four K video, um, I think the editing portion at this point is fine between the eighth gen and the tenth gen. It, it's just that when you want to finally export that video export times are getting shorter and shorter every time. Uh, sorry, every every generation of laptop, but it's still not super fast. So with the tension, you're still gonna notice like uh, a, a quick, uh, sorry, a much quicker time. Yeah. Okay. So that, like that's the main difference that you would notice. Um, and the other thing is probably um, in terms of like how many process how much how many processes you can run in the background before you start noticing uh you hit a bottleneck okay that makes sense so that's yeah. something for people to consider um but i guess like you said for the average person who's not doing graphic intensive things you'd recommend they save their money right and get a eighth gen or an ipad air sorry a macbook air um yeah, I mean it, it's 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 a kind of a difficult dividing line at this point in Apple. You have three thirteen about thirteen uh, inch devices, and they all kind of overlap, and they all in terms of function and price as well. Um, I tried to break it down as much as possible in terms of okay, here's how you would like uh, if you had to get a laptop or some kind of computing device in the portable range of like uh 13 inches like what would you do right like you have if your workload is not that heavy but it's still you need to do serious work um basically anything outside of video and photo editing extensively then you can get the macbook air uh, the core i5 quad core model which is the one we did in our previous podcast um with where my wife tracy did a review of it uh you can still do video editing and photo editing on the on the macbook air it has all the same apps the problem is that you will start to notice like it chugs when or the fans will kick up really like within like five to ten minutes of, of doing that work and it's gonna get annoying after a while because i know even with um my wife doing like web design right now 
uh, it's not as intensive as video graphics and stuff, but she has run into bottlenecks where the computer just like stopped responding and, or it got really, really like fans were kicking like crazy. So how would you compare like Tracy's new um, MacBook Air to the eighth gen uh, MacBook Pro? It's still not going to, you're still not going to get this is like the eighth gen Core i5 uh, model, the base model of the MacBook Pro is still going to um, still going to beat the MacBook Air okay. in terms of performance. Yeah, so don't 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 be swayed by just the gen the generation. Like the 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 heat pipe in the MacBook Pro makes a huge difference. Like you're going to be able to hit these higher clock speeds for a lot longer on the MacBook Pro. Yeah. Um, so if you are content, that brings us to the next point. If you are a content creator, go for the MacBook Pro, Pro 13. That's, um, but if you're really, really serious, like you're, you're like not just a YouTube amateur or like you don't do, you should really, and you have the money, the 16-inch MacBook Pro is actually the best for content creation. It is a powerhouse. Because uh, yeah, yeah, it has a dedicated graphics card. It's super speedy. Um, the, the biggest downside is obviously the, the weight of it. Um, it's more desktop, I think, than, and than portable machine. So if you, again, I'm, I'm making so many qualifiers, which is like, you really have to look at your own workflow and see, but if a lot, I think for this generation of Apple devices, you know what you want. Like if you have a MacBook pro 13, you love the MacBook pro 13, you're looking to upgrade to the next version, then this is the version to get. Um, the funnily, uh, in terms of benchmarks, I, I showed you this, Amir, the, the iPad pro 13 uh, the iPad pro with the, um, a 13 bionic beats both the MacBook pro and the MacBook pa MacBook air in terms of, uh, processing speeds and performance on benchmarks. I still don't understand how that's possible. <laughs> yeah. Apple's like. That has some sorcery in their chips. And this is A12, not even A13. I think if you put the A13 in there, it's only going to get, like, it's going to smoke even more. Um, so even with the newest stuff, the Intel is not able to compare to the Apple. Uh, sorry, the Intel chips is not able to compare to Apple chips. Uh, but does that So, when, that so when is Apple going to put the A13 in the MacBook? I think we touched on this briefly last time, right? Yeah, uh, there are strong rumors that it'll happen next year. Um, but with the whole pandemic and stuff like that happening, I don't know if it's going to disrupt the the plans or if they delay it. Um, but at this point, it seems like everything is pointing to next year. But like we said, we covered before, um, just because it's stronger processor, I don't, you're still not going to be able to do everything you want uh, on an, on an iPad pro than you would on a traditional MacBook. Um, the app limitations are still there. We're not going to go into that because uh, we had a, that was our entire episode last week. Um, if you do want a video editing, it's, it is possible. There's an app called LumaFusion that you can do it, but it still feels like a workaround. There's still not as much flexibility as you would if you had a pro laptop. So um, if you want a tablet first and you only want a keyboard once in a while and you valid, value portability like above all else, then get the iPad Pro. Um, but if you want to and if you want to save more money, I suggest going with the iPad Pro 2018 refurb model 
because it's pretty much the same as the 2020 model, but you save a couple hundred dollars uh, if you can manage to snag one on the website that is. Um, yeah, the, the biggest thing though, Amir, I have to say, and it, you know, people who listen to the show, I'm a big stickler for bezels. I'm really <laughs> disappointed that they didn't take advantage of this opportunity to shrink down the bezels and make the 13 inch MacBook Pro a 14 inch MacBook Pro. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was disappointed as well. I'm not, I, I don't mind bezels as much as you do, but it would have been really cool to see like a bezel-less um, MacBook Pro. That would have been pretty interesting. But I mean, I'm not going to be that picky. Um, we know Apple kind of recycles their design for years and years. So it could be coming in the future and it probably is coming in the future. But uh, I, I don't think Apple felt it was the right time, I guess. I'm not sure. Yeah, the funny, there are rumors, there was rumors reading up to this where there was talking about 14-inch MacBook Pro coming. So I'm not sure if it's still coming or it's something that, or it's something that's um, it, it just, they scrapped it last minute. Um, I highly doubt they scrapped it. I think it might be coming, but then it's going to be really close. It's going to be like 13-inch, 14-inch, 16-inch. Like, it's... I it's I I don't know if it makes sense to release a 14-inch MacBook Pro. Yeah, I think it would cause a lot of crowding. Um, I would personally not know what to get uh, when there's so many options. Um, they might have to do away with the 13-inch if they're going to do a 14-inch. I know, but it's going to piss a lot of people off who drop like this $2,400 on the newest MacBook Pro 13. And then like even if it's six months later, they release the 14-inch. People are like, what the hell, right? So Yeah. <laughs> now, I mean, just to, I hate to go on a tangent here, but there is a reason why I don't like bezels, and it's really practical. I mean, in terms of, if you look at the Dell XPS 13, um, it looks fantastic. Yes, having really small bezels is really future-proof, but at the same time, um, when you have narrow bezels, that means you're able to fit a larger screen size in the f- same physical footprint. So... Uh, yes, it would love. Who wouldn't want to give like an, get an extra inch diagonal space, which is a lot on a screen, and still have it the same size, same weight, same thickness. Uh, that, that, and like, there's practical benefits to it. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that that's pretty much it. I, the MacBook Pro is is not all that exciting. Um, it's it's a workhorse machine. If you if you have a MacBook Pro 13 and you like everything except the keyboard, get you can even go for the base model and I think you'll be fine. But um, if you really want to future-proof with yourself, then spend the extra money and get the 10th gen just, just so it can last you longer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now I'm going to move on to a, a, a little bit more of a juicier topic for us, uh, the Pixel 4a. Um, I know we ta- kind of touched on it a bit, but now at this point, I think uh, we know so much about this phone, we pretty much can do a review of it without even coming out. Obviously, we're not, but um, do why don't we go over the specs a little bit? I think there's some interesting stuff here. Um, yeah. Yeah, so ju- just like any other Google Pixel phone, we pretty much know everything about it prior to it being released. Um, this is a phone that is a successor to the Pixel 3a, which 
Apple released um, after the Pixel 3 last year to kind of compete in the lower, um, uh, low tier sort of uh, market, or maybe mid tier actually, mid tier market um, uh, amongst Android phones. The Pixel 3a was Google's best selling uh, Pixel device uh, last year. So more people bought the 3a than the 3, which is um, understandable given the significant price uh, difference and um, lack of really, really um, differentiating factors to help, you know, promote the higher price of the Pixel 3. But uh, regardless, they're coming out with a new Pixel 4a this year. And we think it's going to be a plastic build, right? Again? Yeah, it's definitely going to be a plastic build. Um, there are leaks out there of showing people holding the body. Uh, people have done full-on... Re- There's actually like a Ukrainian site that did like a full-on review. Like they do a walkthrough, they do camera tests. <laughs> it's out there already. It's oh, wow. How, uh, how? I think the same thing happened with the Pixel 3, right? Like overseas yeah. and other countries, I, they I released no their... <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, there was a... The Pixel 4 was done with like someone... Either in Thailand, someone got a, a hold of it. And then, uh, yeah, now someone in, in Ukraine, like they have it. And it, there's a full review if you kind of dig on it. The problem is that it, it is the full review is in Ukraine in Ukrainian. So <laughs> you won't, I didn't understand it, but I was able to like look at the photo quality and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so and, what, what do we what do we like about this phone? Yeah. So um, for me, I think it's I think it's significant because it's. Uh, really the only stock Android device that is in that small form factor and at the same time like uh, that has yeah the small small form factor and finally Google again bezels they reduce the bezels even though it's still not as thin as I'd like but you finally have and you have a hole punch display so to me it looks like another phone I loved a lot which was the uh, the um, not the iPhone um, Samsung Galaxy S10e so I love that phone. It was super small um, and compact. But the downside with the S10e was the battery life. But I, th- I hope that they're gonna, this is not going to be a problem in this guy because the Pixel 3a had really good battery life. Uh, the trade-off is in order to get that battery life, you had to make the processor a little bit slower. Uh, but in this case, there are benchmarks being leaked out saying that this new Snapdragon 730 that they have in this Pixel 4a is quite comparable to the Pixel 4. So you have, I think speed is not going to be as big of an issue. Um, they also are upgrading the uh, Pixel, f- from the Pixel 3a, you're getting an a- additional two gigs of RAM. So now you have six gigs of RAM, which is great because um, from my experience, uh, you need nowadays with Android, you really need the extra RAM. Um, so I think it looks promising to me. Are, are you excited by all? Uh, sorry, excited by it at all? Yeah, um, I really like that uh, they did um, uh, reduce the bezel sizes because that was one of the biggest gripes about the um, uh, Pixel 4 design. Um, so they, I'm surprised that they actually have a better design for their budget model than their flagship model. And I'm not really sure what sort of... Uh, um justification went into that decision making but regardless i'm very happy that they are working on the bezels because the bezels were uh an issue with the pixel 4 um other things i really like about it six gigs of ram um 
that is very good to see. I imagine that uh, Google being Google, they would have tried to save on that and would have gone with four gigs, but it seems like they're starting to get the message that Android needs higher RAM to run, as you said. Um, I must say, though, like having, like I had, I recently did switch back to the Pixel 2 just for a bit, and I was playing around and opening apps between the one plus, my OnePlus, which is 8 gigs, versus the Pixel 2 XL. And I was surprised. Like, um, I was expecting the Pixel 2 XL to, like, constantly have to refresh apps. But I think Android has been optimized a lot since that phone's been released. Where, other than games, um, if you're doing traditional apps, I find the apps stay in memory a lot longer. I know that has been an issue plaguing Pixels for a long time. Even with the uh, Pixel 4, that people were complaining, which also had 6 gigs of RAM. And I think they've kind of released a lot of updates since then to try and fix RAM management. Yeah. So, yeah. For what it's worth. Yeah, I I don't have access to an Android phone anymore, so I'm not really sure how they've optimized that. But I remember on my Pixel 3, RAM management was a big, big issue. Um, The one spec I'm not entirely sure about is the 3,000 milliamp hour battery. Um, assuming that the Snapdragon 730 is very efficient, um, that is still not going to be a battery champion at 3000 milliamp hours, regardless of how you look at it. I don't think, hopefully we'll get five to six hours screen on time. I don't think it's going to get any more than that, that we're seeing with like, you know, the higher tier Android phones with the 4000 milliamp hour batteries. That's one thing that has left that is still left to be seen. Um, the, Snapdra- the Snapdragon 730. I heard um, rumors that it um, performs the same as the Pixel Three, which had a Snapdragon. Was it 835 or 845? I, it, I'm pretty sure it's 835. Yeah, so I think the the performance of it should be decent for a mid tier device. Um, I'm just hoping it sips power such that the 3000 milliamp hour battery is enough. I think we'll have to see. Yeah. I mean, um, I'll have to go back and fact check these, uh, pixel three, but, um, in terms of snap, yeah. Like, but I always find from other phones that have the Snapdragon seven series, it seems like they're usually are pretty good battery. Like I would obviously love to see a 4,000 or 3,500, but I think you're you're kind of confined with the the amount of space that you're working with in that small version, um, and it's there is no larger version this time, at least upon initial release. So, um, and people are saying uh, the reason for that is because the Pixel Three A XL didn't sell that well. Most people were just going with the Three A, and actually, I only seen one Pixel Three A XL in the wild from what I from from people I know. Uh, around me so and that's your friend who you recommended to buy that yeah (laughs) not sure if i consider that in the wild you told him to buy the phone (laughs) (laughs) it's true it's true it's okay so there's a complete bias there but from people who uh i do recommend they end up going for the lower version because like you save money and the battery life isn't that much better on the 3axl so uh and personally nowadays like I want a smaller compact phone. I think it's it's nice um, in hand. It's it just feels much better every time I pick up um, Tracy's Pixel Three. I'm always like, wow, I love the size of this phone. So 
Um, I think the I think Google is making some good decisions here, um, especially with now. One thing I am slightly disappointed about, but not I'm I'm disappointed, but it's totally expected. It's totally reasonable why they do this. They're keeping the same camera sensor as they did on the three A, the four, um, which is the IMX three six three twelve megapixel camera, and it's only a single lens, by the way. So I think that was that's the one thing that I mean if you want nowadays a lot of budget phones have four cameras and uh, you know the TCL 10 that just came out has four cameras um, the thing is I don't know I hope people aren't swayed too much by that because if you actually look at those each of those individual cameras each on its own is pretty crappy so I would personally take the trade-off of just taking one great camera and then like not have three other cameras but i don't know that google is kind of facing an uphill battle with that yeah i um i kind of agree and kind of kind of disagree like in a mid-tier device um i think i would have done what google did and stick with one camera i don't see anyone who really cares about having multiple cameras and photography and whatever really going with a mid-tier device to begin with um they are most likely going to go with the higher tier uh devices the pixel 4a's main competitor the iphone se also has one lens so i think it was the right decision but let's remember it's one great camera um even like right now i have a iphone 11 which has two lenses but even on iPhone with Apple's amazing optimization, the wide angle camera is really great if you want to catch certain perspectives, but the quality is still not the same as the main camera. End up going with the main camera more often than not, just because you don't want to sacrifice the quality. So if they can put one great lens in, not put a couple crappy lenses just to give you different focal points um, and drop the price to below their competition, which is going to be her next point, I think it was a okay decision. Um, if they want to start putting in all those extra lenses, then we're going to pay for it on the price. And a mid-tier phone, really, like they do want to focus on the price a lot. Um, I, I completely agree. Um, I think, and I, I exactly um, even on even on my phone, like I'd say, like ninety-five percent of the time we do, I use the main camera, and then the five percent that I do take a wide angle, I end up taking a main camera anyways because, like, I, I just don't like if you're taking a wide angle, it's usually because you're trying to take a scene. But if I want to take a scene, I want the most detail, the best colors, the best dynamic range, and the wide angle just doesn't hit those points for me. Yeah, it just doesn't compare in terms of quality. Um, yeah. so, so yeah, now let's, let's talk about the price. Um, I'll remind everyone in our iPhone SE, um, episode, I totally called Pixel 4a out on the price. I said, how could they possibly price oh, you're it? you're just dying to like call it. Yeah. yeah. How you're could they, right here. yeah. How could they possibly price it the same as the iPhone SE? And it was originally a report to be released in May, uh, the Pixel 4a. Then now there are rumors that it's been delayed to next month in June. And there are rumors that instead of pricing it at $399, it's going to be priced at $349 uh, in the US. So undercutting the iPhone SE by $50. I think this was absolutely the right move. Um, now people are going to be talking about the 4A. 
they're going to be talking about how you save $50 over an iPhone SE. They're going to be talking about how possibly the camera is better for still photography than the iPhone SE. Um, so it just, they're going to be, you know, talking about how there's smaller bezels on the, for a bigger screen. If it was priced the same as the iPhone SE, everyone would just be like, oh, you can get an iPhone SE for the same price. People wouldn't really care about the advantages of the 4A over the SE. So I think this was absolutely the right decision by Google. Yeah, absolutely. Because, um, I mean, it's it's a tough sell at, at this, if you had to match the same price at um, as the iPhone SE. I don't doubt that because you still lose. There's some features like you don't get wireless charging because it's a plastic body, right? Um, I don't think this one's going to be IPX rated. Um, so... Uh, I think you get a headphone jack though, so <laughs> win. But I, I totally agree that uh, I think, especially um, with reports now that came out that saying how disappointing the Pixel Four is selling. I think it's selling less than the Pixel Three before that, which is really bad. Which was uh, already a poor seller. Yeah, it wasn't super high in sales, so I think Google is really gonna. I don't think they they want to see another phone doing poorly in the market like they have to sell a lot of these so i think they probably scaled they saw what apple did they probably did an all hands meetings like guys we really have to reevaluate our price we thought we were competitive before and it was if if the iphone se didn't come out i think this would be like in terms of like mid-range it would have been the easily the best mid-range uh, phone option yeah because you aren't sacrificing on the biggest aspect which is camera like now, even to this point in 2020, mid mid range cameras on Android side of things is really, you know, you're surpri- you're still surprised when you get a good camera in a mid range. So I think the 4A would be very competitive. Unfortunately, on the iPhone side, um, they're going after the same target. They're going for people who don't really care so much about tech. So um, they the Pixel 4A has to do the price cut in order to stay competitive. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then you heard obviously about the um, story about how everybody at Google um, on the Pixel team was disappointed with the Pixel 4, um, especially Mark Levoy who left. Uh, tell us a little about that. Yeah, so it just uh, came out, a story came out this week. Um, Google's execs were... Particularly, uh, so they call an on uh, all a hands-on meeting on in October, right before the phone la- launched. Rick Osterloh, the uh, the head of the Pixel product line, basically was saying that he was disappointed with the Pixel Four and some of the choices that were made, and particularly the battery life. Now, that's really, I mean, we called that right, even saying even when the leaks were coming out on the Pixel 4 on our podcast, we were like, wow, that, that battery with that processor, uh, we're, we're not so great. And we're not so sure about the battery life and the reviews. I mean, it's, it's just the same, like, especially the slower, smaller version, the battery life is atrocious. So um, I'm not super surprised, but I'm also like surprised that like, it took them like a month before a month or two before the phone gets released for them to say like our battery life is bad. Like they should have been able to see this. I mean, they've made phones before, right? Yeah. I, I really don't know what happened with some of the decision making of the pixel four. Um, yeah. yeah. We've, we've 
we've talked about that before a lot. I don't want to get back into it, but um, yeah. it was interesting to hear that Google themselves was unhappy with it. Um, yeah. So then it really got me thinking like, so what the heck happened? If you're unhappy with it, why was it released like that? Like how come it wasn't caught earlier? How come, you know, people didn't call this out from within it, Anyway, so many questions. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> also, Mark Levoy leaving, I think, is a huge loss to Google. So for those who don't know, uh, Mark Levoy is, uh, he is the, he, he works, he's a uh, photography uh, professor. He did research into photography at Stanford. Um, and he basically moved to Google and worked on the pixel and he's responsible for all the computational photography magic that we've been seeing for the past couple of years, uh, going even far as, yeah, from the pixel one to pixel four. Um, I think his work in, in photography really pushed the level of photography that we see today. I mean, I think in I, Apple will never say it, but I think the the fact that we have such excellent computational photography or algorithmic processing on the iPhone side of things is because the Pixel drove, um, it just made so many leaps and bounds uh, with the the software. And Mark Levoy is really responsible for that. Um, to see him leave Google is very disappointing because I'm not sure if, uh, it, it really makes me question if, the pixel line will continue to see any more huge jumps in photography. Yeah, that is, that is disappointing. And we're going to have to wait and see what happens with the pixel lineup now in photography. And also I'd be interested to see where Mark Levoy goes, who's going to pull him in. Um, yeah. It'd be amazing <laughs> if Apple pulls him in. We'll see. <laughs> I hope not. I mean, I, I, I'd rather see like, I would love to see like, one plus or like just so we can have a third competitor and like just have another phone manufacturer manufacturing i'm a little tired of seeing just google and apple winning all the time yeah that's a good point yeah uh i think innovation just it just drives everyone's game up right so uh yeah it's it'd be interesting to see um where we go from here uh but that said Google has a ton of smart people. Oh, sorry, one second, guys. So there are a lot of smart people working at Google, um, and uh, I think they'll continue to do the work that Mark Levor pioneered, and we'll still see some great stuff. But I don't know if we'll see the next innovation. Maybe the next upgrade in camera quality will have to come from hardware upgrades, which is fine because like I said, they've been using the same sensor since the Pixel 3a. It's time for an upgrade. Yeah, agreed. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, um, yeah, that that's pretty much the news this week. Um, yeah. It's more commenting on leaks and rumors. Uh, if you guys, anything else you want to bring up? I think that we covered quite a bit. Yeah, sounds good. It was a good episode and uh, we will see you guys in the next one. Yeah. So, um, if you guys, uh, uh, guys, uh, thanks you, thank you, listeners, for tuning in um, regularly. It, it means a lot to us. We're definitely trying to gain uh, more followers. So, uh, if you can give us a five star review on iTunes, if you liked it, um, that's great. It really helps us a lot, and uh, we look forward to making more episodes for you guys. Take care.
Thank you everyone for listening to We Love Tech podcast and a huge shout out to all our new listeners from around the world. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe. We are available on all major platforms. You can also follow us on Instagram at We Love Tech Podcast and Twitter at We Love Tech Pod C1.